he'd always wanted to call it the Lightning, even though they ran a fan poll. Uh, a, fa- a fan poll, especially the, this day and age, would be real skinny. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hockey, the Tampa, hockey team, or yeah, the, the Tampa Bay Sixty Nines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, so yeah, I don't think you could get away with that anymore. <laughs> These are the tales of hockey past as you've never heard them before. Our guests tell stories blending team seasons, on and off ice moments, memories of personal fandom catastrophe and elation. And yes, alcohol. We do the work, you tell the story. These are the Puck Stories. I'm Justin Godfrey, editor at Raw Charge, and I'm here to talk about the 1998-99 Tampa Bay Lightning season. Um, to get started with, it's not the lightning that you guys may know nowadays. Uh, it was the depths of the despair years of the lightning coming off the worst season in their franchise history. Um, they did have the number one pick, which was nice. So they did uh, start off things well with uh, drafting Vincent Cavier. So he did, um, that was his rookie year. He did make it. Uh, he did not send see, uh, juniors. Uh, is he a small forward from North Carolina? Six, seven, yeah. Seven, he is a uh, tall gentleman from uh, Quebec or Montreal, somewhere outside of there. So, uh, yeah, he uh, had a little bit of uh, prestige coming to him. Um, if anything, if anyone remembers anything about the 98-99 Lightning, it's probably their owner, Art Williams, who had just bought the team the previous spring, standing at a press conference, holding up a T-shirt that said, I'm a stud that Vinny LeCavier could wear. Um, so, yeah, it was a great start to hockey in the uh, Sunshine State. Um, so kind of the state of the franchise, if you will, at that time. Uh, like I said, they had come off the 97-98 uh, season where they had somehow garnered the um, number one overall pick. Um, even though they actually didn't win the draft lottery, they had um, they managed to get the number one pick, so they picked LeCavier over Leguin. Uh, Lake David Lakewand, and then um, brought him in. Art Williams was an insurance salesman from the South whose experience with hockey was zero. Uh, he had been a high school football coach earlier in his year, but he had a lot of money, so he bought them. And uh, it was a very interesting ownership period, I'm not going to lie. Um, being a fan of the Lightning during that time did not lack in news. Uh, there was always something in the paper about his shenanigans. Um, starting with the press conference with with Vinny, uh, where he proclaimed either either he was going to be a dud or a stud. It also compared him to the Michael Jordan of hockey, along with uh, several other things that um, made it tough for an 18 year old kid to live up to. Um, You're telling me those are lofty expectations? Lofty expectations, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Comparing an 18 year old kid to Michael Jordan in 1998 was probably a little bit much. Um, the head coach at the time, Jacques Demers, did. Did, did try his best to temper expectations a little bit. Um, you know, his game plan from the beginning was to let Vinny kind of develop. Um, he did start out second line center uh, kind of throughout the season. He did move down, kind of was playing fourth line minutes more as they realized the season wasn't going very well. So instead of ruining him as a prospect, they wanted to kind of take his time, let him learn. Uh, but during the offseason, uh, 
Phil Esposito was the general manager at the time, uh, Trader Phil. Uh, also a very interesting character. He was the man who was responsible for hockey in Tampa Bay. So he will always have a uh, soft spot in the hearts of Lightning fans. Um, but as the general manager, he was basically given a one year. Him and his brother, uh, Tony, who just passed, who was director of scouting, a couple other titles there as well. Um, basically given one year from Mark Williams to make this team better. It lasted three games. <laughs> And then uh, Phil and Tony were fired by Art Williams, and Jacques Lemire was uh, promoted. So that's kind of the chaos that we came to expect in 1998-99. He basically said, your jobs are safe. You have one year to improve this franchise. Um, and he did give them a little bit of a payroll, um, which was something that had been lacking over the last couple of years. Um, so they went out. They traded for Craig Janney as their number one setter. Uh, they signed Benoit Hogue as a veteran forward. Uh, they signed Wendell Clark, and traded for Bill Ranford as their number one goalie. So they brought in some veterans, um, which is kind of uh, interesting. Uh, one of the things, if you kind of read stories at the time, there was some temptation on the part of the Lightning to trade the number one pick uh, for some veterans who may have saved Phil's job. If you could have, um, I think Colorado was the number one um, landing spot, and names like Joe Sackick were thrown around as far as Peter Forsberg as well, as far as names that may come back in return for the overall number one trade. Uh, Phil uh, refused to trade it. Uh, didn't quite work out. So he drafted Vinny. And, um, you know, it was actually a really good move for the franchise. Probably not the best move for Phil's career because, like, like I said, he did get fired three, ga- three days into it. And oddly enough, one of the reasons that apparently he was given, at least according to his autobiography, was that he overspent the money that um, – Williams said he had to spend. So uh, I don't know. He didn't spend it wisely, that's for sure. I mean, if you look at the signings that they made, they were all gone by the trade deadline. Um, and really, only Wendell Clark had an impact on the team. Uh, what Branford was brutal in net. That's the nicest way to put it, unfortunately. Uh, ben Wahoog had a diff- uh, he had an okay season, but did have some stuff off the ice that kind of distracted from it. Um, uh, Greg Janney was, I, mean, I don't know, he was okay, not great, but uh, yeah, it was just one of those things where they were hoping that the influx of veterans would help some of the young kids on the team and at least make them competitive, which they were until November hit, so they were at over 500 at one point, I believe, so I think they were 6-5-1 and one back in the days when we could have ties. Um, and then things fell apart rapidly after a 10 to 2 loss to the uh, New York Rangers, one of the worst hockey experiences I've ever been to live. Um, just an absolute brutal game to watch from beginning to end. And then they went out west, lost a bunch of games, and it was never quite the same at that point. You stayed so, for yeah. the duration of the 10 to 2 loss? I did. I did. Never leave a hockey game is what I had been uh, told by my friends who were hockey fans longer than I were. So um, we stayed till the bitter, bitter end. Did they? Um, and it's funny they, to look. Did they at least offer like half price beer? Third no, period, like hey, extra, no. extra staying. <laughs> the beautiful thing was though, in those days, if you went to a Lightning game, uh, the stoppage of play, you could literally, if your seats were close enough to the aisle, you could literally run, grab a beer, come back to your seat, and not miss too much action because there were zero lines at the concession stands. So there were some benefits to following a really bad team. Um, 
And if you look at some of the attendance numbers that are posted in the box scores and stuff, not quite sure who was counting, but um, I'm pretty sure I was at a few games that had about roughly 2,000 people in the arena. So, yeah, good times. Easier to chirp at players when they can really hear you. I'm pretty sure they heard a lot of stuff that was going on. And, uh, it, it was interesting reading the recaps and how was that 10 to 2 loss. Is one of the things that the writer mentioned is that there wasn't a lot of booing. Um, you would think when your home team is getting thrashed like that, uh, that the fans wouldn't be happy, but they were still kind of living in the dream of the fact that they were over 500 at that point. So. Yeah, I mean they yeah. were only they were only falling back to six six and one at that point. So exactly, they, not a whole lot to yeah, do about. Still had a shot to play off. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so it was, it was very interesting, you know, being a fan at that time. Uh, I was actually a rather new hockey fan, having uh, started watching the Lightning in the last couple, of, you know, two years prior to that, um, and really ninety eight, ninety nine was the first year I would say I was a full blown hockey fan. Uh, probably went to I'd say roughly. 15 to 20 home games um, simply because it's cheap and it was something to do. Uh, you could get into the arena for five bucks, bought a ticket on the street for five bucks. You could find free parking, you know, a block from the stadium. And uh, yeah, so it was, uh, there are benefits to being a fan of bad team. It's, it's usually pretty cheap to watch. And um, like I said, there's exciting times going on throughout. I mean, Art Williams ownership lasted less than a year. I believe he sold, sold the team to the Davidson group uh, roughly around Valentine's Day. I think he made a promise to his wife that he would sell it by Valentine's Day. Um, so he was out of hockey by then. Uh, he had managed to torch a couple of decent trades from what the rumors were during the time. Uh, I know when he was buying the team the, the previous spring, so this would have been in the 98, uh, there were rumors that um, Esposito was making a deal for a goaltender. Didn't uh, didn't quite come through. I believe it was Curtis Joseph. Um, there were some, some deals going through, uh, and then in the, the trade deadline of 99 trade deadline, Lightning pretty much had a deal worked out for Roman Turk, uh, that was supposed to come through according to the reports. I think Darcy Tucker was going the other way, but, uh, the Davidson group torched it, uh, because they didn't want to pick up, be possibly stuck with his salary the next year if the sale didn't go through. So it's kind of funny to think of what the Lightning's fortunes would have been had they secured a number one goaltender. It's like, um, honey, what do you want for Valentine's Day this year? You want you want chocolates and roses and a, a nice dinner again? She's like, no, I want you to sell the team. Yeah, I want you to get the hell away from hockey is what I want you to do. Uh, I like to I picture say, as, as a diehard Lightning fan, she, like she grew up a Lightning fan, and is like, yes. sell the team that I love, please. You're yeah. ruining it. <laughs> yeah. So one of the yeah one of the stories that you know, that we mentioned that ten to two loss to the Rangers. Um, Art had a habit of going into the clubhouse and giving pregame speeches. And um, oh, he gave yes. one of those before that, that, that 10-2 loss. Yeah, and that ran his record to pregame speeches up to 0-3, so I don't know how effective <laughs> they were. Um, by by uh, his own you know, standards, he, he should be fired. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> he was, uh, you know, he, he grew up in the South. He was a football coach uh, in his career, so he was kind of big uh, into those Ray Ross speeches. Uh, made his money in insurance, bought the team, and um, yeah, it just didn't work out. Uh, you, so, were, you were there was, with without many other people around. What did you ever overhear anything he was saying? 
some of those speeches. No, are. never heard anything directly from him. You know, if you had uh, to imagine uh, that you did hear, yeah, phrases might come out. Apparently, he apparently didn't curse, so didn't drink, didn't curse. So, uh, from what the reporters at the time said, a lot of dad gummits and Josh Garnett's coming his way. You know, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he would have bought a so, yeah. an NFL franchise. Philip Rivers would have been a perfect quarterback for him. Exactly. Well, he did. Apparently, he did own a CFL franchise, I believe, as well. So you know, he didn't quite get into the NFL ranks, but he tried. Um, I would just it, love to, yeah. to be a fly on the wall watching those those pregame rah rah speeches and just watching the faces yeah. of like v- veterans like Wendell Clark and uh, uh, like Craig Janney or whoever. <laughs> just be like, what yeah. Well, even the rookies would be like. About? What is he Who's talking this guy about? Coming in here, yeah. so, you know, and it's funny, like put the Wendell ball Clark, in the back of the net. <laughs> Wendell Clark had a really, really good year for the Lightning. I mean, it's you know, I think he was towards the end of his career, and I'm not sure he had many uh, suitors coming after him as a free agent. But uh, you know, he threw together a pretty good year um, as the only real scoring threat for the Lightning. He he led the team in scoring. I've, Despite being traded at the trade deadline, yeah, yeah, or so, in, in, um, in, in goal, in goals, I shouldn't say score. In goals, yeah, I think Tucker ended up as the uh, Darcy Tucker ended up as the um, overall points leader uh, which, <laughs> with the wa- know, with the with the whopping forty three. <laughs> exactly, you know, but, you know, as you know, he was a uh, he's a young kid at the time, so he was twenty three years old. So we were like, hey, this kid could be something, you know, he could be a nice little second line center behind Vinny, you know. Mm-hmm. Little uh, could score some points. Yeah, he was a you know I know plus minus is a kind of a flawed stat, but minus thirty four is hard to look at. I, I, yeah, <laughs> no matter how you you know how you judge that stat. So but, yeah, plus uh, minus yeah, is, he was kind of, is a flawed stat, but when you only have one guy in the positive and you have another guy at zero, and then everybody else is negative, I think it's yeah. somewhat telling. <laughs> at least how the season went, not necessarily individually. Exactly. Yeah. So. It's uh, yeah, and it was just one of those things where pretty much you tried to find whatever you know positives you could out of the out of the season. Um, you know, Vinny kind of came on a little bit towards the end of the year. Like I said he was playing fourth line minutes for most of it, but you could see the talent there. Um, he just stood up, you know, head and shoulders above the rest of the players on the team. Um, even like Corey Schlaw, who ended up being the I guess the de facto number one goalie for the team. He played pretty well. He's, you know, he's this guy's uh, career backup, and you know, he's out there doing his best. Um, so you, you think, hey, maybe there's some building blocks here, uh, and that's what you look forward to as if somebody following a bad team. Like, who's going to be, you know, who's going to be on the championship team in the future? So you had Vinny, uh, a very, very young Pablo Cabino on defense, um, was there as well. Um, fortunately, Brad Richards was still in juniors, and Marty St. Louis hadn't joined the team yet. So the pickings were slim, but there were there was a little bit of hope. You know, you could get excited about some of the plays that Cavier pulled off. So you can kind of see a future going for him. It was kind of a um, it was an interesting because the playoffs in '96. You know, the Lightning make the yeah you know, they make the playoffs. They play the Flyers, um, and they set the record for most people in a you know in attendance for a hockey game over in the over in the Thunderdome. And all the reports are that it was super loud. It was a super funny environment. So, you know, they're kind of building off of that success in, uh, you know, at the end of 96, and then things kind of start falling apart. And 
you know, you don't want to tie it to one guy, but I really think, you know, another one of those interesting what ifs is if uh, Darren Poop is back and held up and he'd been able to be a number one goalie for the next couple of years, you know, how does that change the franchise? Because really after that playoff run, he's beset with back injuries, hamstring injuries for pretty much the rest of his career. And the Lightning are just scrambling for goalies. So, um, you know, that kind of ties in with that 98-99 season where, you know, Ranford's playing, uh, Kevin Hodgson's playing, Mark Fitzpatrick, uh, Derek Wilkinson, who had been a, you know, mid-round draft pick for the Lightning and a quote-unquote prospect for him, you know, that never panned out. So, it's, it's you, know, if, you know, if Puka stays healthy, do things change? Or are they able to stay in the playoff race for the next couple of years? Do they not end up drafting like Abier? They have more of a mid-round pick in that year. You never know with these things. You left out the guy with the best goals against average. That beer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, Birk was, you know, as a, as a guy who collected off cards, I had four or five Birk rookie cards lying around here in this apartment somewhere. So, you kind of got excited about him. Another one of those mid-round kind of draft picks that, what's he doing up here? And he goes out and plays a great game in his one appearance, I believe, that year. And you're like, oh, I'm excited for the future now. It doesn't work out for him. So, so. <laughs> I guess, you know, you, you kind of look at the season, and uh, they did get off to – it was a slow start to begin with, and they went on a little bit of a winning streak to get it back even up to, uh, you know, uh, about the, like the 6-5 and five record. That long losing streak really just kind of sapped the energy out of them. Just – and honestly, just a ton of injuries hit him. Um, you know, I kind of make fun of Shell Samuelson being on the, the roster at 40 years old. But, um, you know, he played decently for him as, as that kind of stay-at-home defender. Um, but then Pupa goes out with a with a torn, pulled hamstring that knocks him out for the rest of the season. So now you're out, one of your top defenders, one of your top uh, goaltenders. Um, Michael Renberg, who was you know, relied upon to be scoring, he's out with injuries. So it just kind of piled up on them. They just didn't have the depth on there and overmatched in those days. Um, you go out west, you, you know, you face a team like Detroit, who's in their prime, or you know, Colorado, who's building up. And it's just, it's night and day. It's, it's men against boys, some of these games you watch where the Lightning are just chasing the puck the entire time. And one of the things I, I just remember thinking about as a, as a young fan was like, why can't the Lightning get it out of the zone? I mean, why are they always pinned in their own zone? You, you, you know, they try and clear and it bounces off of somebody or they flail a pass out there that's knocked down by the other team. And then you watch, you know, a team like Detroit just make so smooth getting the puck out of the zone. And it's, it's like, are they even playing the same game? And so you watch it throughout the season you know, by December or so, you realize that there's absolutely no hope for this team. So you kind of pick up on some of the young players and start hoping for the future. So, you know, they trade Benoit Hope for Sergei Gusev. And you're like, hey, maybe this is a young defenseman that can actually do something. You know, you pin all your hopes on that. And Sergei Gusev is who he is. You know, he's an average, def- you know, below average defenseman. But that's the hope you have as a, you know, as a fan of a bad team that every prospect that comes up you kind of hope that they're actually the future um, where, you know, in the end, as we look back on it now, you know, many years later, really like Javier and Kubina are the only two players on that team that, you know, kind of came through. Um, Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen, if you will. My, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the meantime, like Wendell Clark comes in and you 
you don't know what to expect out of a veteran like that towards his end of his career. And he's, you know, he's putting up points. He had three hat tricks throughout the year. Um, he's playing top line. And he's just this super solid veteran that you're like, okay, great. He's playing great. We're going to get something really sweet for him at the trade deadline. I mean, that's what you look forward to you know, as a bad team. Is just, you look forward to the trade deadline and the draft. So you're hoping they can pull something out of it. And um, they did pick up Kevin Hobson, who was, you know, had a decent run the year before for uh, the Red Wings as they went to the Stanley Cup. Um, but he comes in and then plays a couple games and gets hurt. And then uh, also kind of a, I think he had a heart condition. So that kind of sidelined his uh, NHL career. Uh, um, but it's kind of, you know, you, you're always looking towards the future when, when you're following a team like this. And you really hope these veterans that they brought in, maybe they play well enough to get traded for something something decent. And honestly, probably the best trade that you know, Damaris makes as the, um, as the GM is getting Detroit to take uh, Bill Ranford off their hands because they had been committed to him for another another year of like $3 million or $4 million, which honestly they didn't have financially. So you look at the second half of the season, it's all about cutting salary and getting rid of all these overpriced veterans. And, you know, that's kind of the, the way it was back then. Hopefully they can meet the, the payroll. You know, hopefully the team doesn't go out of business or, and moves. So, but yeah. So, yeah, it was fun being a Lightning fan in 1998, 1999. But uh, I think kind of the saving grace is you, you did have the All-Star game coming to town, um, something they've been promised when they opened up uh, the Ice Palace. And so you kind of get that break in January where, you know, instead of watching your team play, you get to watch all these superstars come into town and then kind of the um, hoopla that goes around it. So it was a nice break from a really oh, bad stretch is, of the season. This is good hockey. Yeah, this is what hockey is supposed to look like, you know. Um, you know, they kind of talk about that, you know, like tape-to-tape passes that are actually – I think one one reporter put it as, you know, you know when the Lightning make tape-to-tape passes, it's from the tape of a stick to the tape holding some guy's uh, socks up or something like that. So, you know, it's – you know, the, I, can't, I can't imagine being a team writer for that team, you know, just having to watch the same stuff over and over again. You know, this is kind of early internet days, so we didn't have the – you know, you know – didn't have the blogs or Twitter going at this point, but uh, I just can't imagine having to report on this team on a daily basis. And you know, yeah, like how many metaphors do you have for soul-crushing losses? Exactly, yeah, and that's what it was. I mean, they would go out and they would play decent one game, and you'd get excited, and then the next day they would lose five to two or something like that, and couldn't get the puck out of their zone. And it's just you know, you looking back at it now. You know, as a young hockey fan, I didn't have much to compare it to. I hadn't followed too many, you know, good teams at that point. So you just watch it. You're, you're only comparing it to the other teams. So it's like, wow, this is bad. Um, but you didn't realize how bad it was. And then, so now looking back, you know, I haven't seen the 0-4 team in you know, the last two years. It's like, wow, you know, what competent hockey was. And you feel bad for Jock Demare. You know, he's, a, he's coming out of retirement to coach these guys and, He's dealing with his wife going through uh, breast cancer treatment at the same time, and then he's got Art Williams as his owner, probably in his office every day, asking him why not better. And he kind of feels sympathy for guys like that that you know, he was able to make it to the end. So you brought up the All Star Game. Uh, it was probably pretty cool having the entire world coming to uh, to play, um, literally, um, and then. 
you know, Wendell Clark makes makes the the All Star team as a representative. You really don't associate him with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, I, even me, I think Wendell Clark is a you know trauma Maple Leaf or something like yeah. that. But you know, and that was kind of another thing to kind of hold on to is, is you watch this, this veteran who people have kind of forgotten about, just going out there every day and you know putting through the effort. I think he's a pretty big influence on some of the younger players like Le Cavier, um, You know how to go about your the craft of of hockey. So it was good to have him on there. Um, not to jump forward too much, but you know, I think the Lightning did a better job when they drafted Stamkos at number one as far as surrounding him by veterans. And that was kind of the lesson they learned by Le Cavier is you know, you gotta have this support staff, these these veterans that teach the young kids how to play hockey and what it's like to be a professional when they're eighteen year olds coming eighteen year old and coming into the game. So just watching him go out every night, you know, giving you something to, to cheer for and scoring goals. Uh, it was it was nice to see him get that recognition at the All Star game, and he picked up an assist as well on one of the goals. So it was it was good to see him on the scoreboard. Um, just I remember the atmosphere around there was really cool. Um, I didn't go to the game, but uh, I did go to some of the, the they called the NHL Fantasy at the time. Um, so you get to see the Stanley Cup, get to get your picture taken with it, which is a literally a Polaroid picture. So you, know, you kids today with your digital cameras and stuff, you know it's. A little different. You know, they literally took it with a Polaroid and handed it to you at the time. There's so, a nice picture of me in shorts wearing uh, next to the Stanley Cup. Yeah, that's great. Um, I'll always <laughs> have that memory. Uh, and then some other things you could record. Uh, you could call classic plays in your franchise's history, which as to that point was literally Alex Selavano's, uh, Alex Selavanov's overtime goal um, in the playoffs to win their only playoff game at the time. So, you know, we did that. You sit in the booth and you call the game. Um, so yeah, it was fun just being down there, um, seeing the media down there, having the whole you know for what it was the NHL sports world descend upon your town. I think there was rumors that Mike Tyson was in the crowd actually at the time, so he was thinking of buying a house in the Tampa area. So you gotta have some random celebrities hanging out in your town. So that's always fun. Uh, the game itself is you know back what All Stars game used to be, so kind of just a glorified offensive show. Anytime you know, Dominic Koshik's in a game that involves eight goals given up, you know, it's not really defensive oriented. Um, and I kind of like the the concept of the, you know, Team North America versus the world. So it'd be interesting if they ever bring something like that back just, just for fun. So it was, you know, they were trying at the time. Do you know um, how much as hospitality was given specifically to um, Brendan Shanahan by Craig Janney coming coming in from the, the All Star game to his now hometown uh, Tampa Bay Lightning team. I'm pretty sure Craig Janney was probably on vacation at that point. Sometimes he didn't really <laughs> care. <laughs> um, he was probably glad not to be at the arena for uh, three or four days. Um, I, I didn't even have to check to see if he'd been treated by that point. I think he, he wasn't. Uh, off, but... He wasn't on vacation with his wife, was he? No, doubt it, doubt it. So you never know. <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> that stuff didn't quite make trickle down to me at that point. So you know, once again, you know, pre pre super internet area era, the, all that stuff was uh, kind of on the back channels if you, if you heard it at all. Um, I think like the biggest thing coming, the biggest rumors going at that time was uh, the Lightning were interested in Alexander Day at the time, and they ended up trading for him shortly after the All Star game. So it was like, hey, we're going to bring in a former number one overall draft pick to help look Javier out. We all know what 
that turned out to be. But so yeah, it was you know you would see the random celebrities that were listed in in the All Star roster. I think like good old Canadian Alan Thicke was there and a couple others. But uh, yeah, so it's it was just good to have them down. And then it wasn't you know that being said, it wasn't super intense. It wasn't super crowded. Um, I remember being able to go and do all the exhibits compared to, you know, a few years ago when they hosted the All-Star game. Um, I went to that one as well. And uh, it was way more crowded, way more kind of, you know, corporate, it felt like, as opposed to back then when it was just kind of more for the fans. You know, that's something that's kind of evolved over the last 20 years in the special events. Kind of felt like they were more for the fans back then. Now it's, you know, what corporate center are you going to? What are you doing? Who's sponsoring this? So. That's kind of the difference I've seen over the last 20 years or so. Being a fan back then, you're like, there's no way this team's going to ever win one of these. You know, it's like, this could be my only chance unless I go to the Hall of Fame. This could be my only chance to see a Stanley Cup. You know, and then, you know, five, six years later, you know, they're actually lifting it in your city. So it's, you know, you kind of hope that your team will win it at some point. But when you look at the product on the ice, especially during that year, um, it's like, wow, it's so far away. If you could create kind of your your dream line from that All Star team, so, who might that be? I probably kind of tried to mash it together between like the people I remember and um, probably uh, I think Iserman would probably be the center. Um, looking at, uh, I was actually a, a Peter Bondra fan back in the day, so I think he's criminally underrated as a scorer. Um, so he'd be on one of the wings. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, my buddy would really be upset if I didn't throw Lemieux in here somewhere. So, um, <laughs> um, But I would probably, you know, Fred Hall on the other wing maybe and uh, defense. I think you got to throw Ray Bork in there. You know, Hashik is a goaltender. Um, just, you know, watching him was, was amazing. And then uh, – for some reason, Rob Blake is the other defender. I don't know. You know that's just my random. You know, sure. Unfortunately, no lightning players in that dream team, but you know, they just quite hadn't hit it yet. Um, I remember there was a game. God, I don't know if it was this season. It would have been around this era that Hashik played against the lightning. Posted a shutout. He maybe made 12 saves, 13 saves. And his quote was something along the lines of, I could have been sitting in a, in a beach chair smoking a cigar in this game. I was like, wow, that's, you know, <laughs> I was like, wow, that's just, you know, how bad the offense was at that point. I mean, if you look at like 98, 99, they, they were bottom in goal scoring, uh, but then they were at the top of the most goals allowed. So, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it was a joke. I mean, the, watching the lightning, it's, I understand, you know, other franchises making fun of them, other writers, you know, like will be gone was a very popular phrase. If you watch, if you read other press, Hapless was thrown out a lot, so it's kind of hard to come over it, you know, when you're reading that about your team. Um, but yeah, so unfortunately, my top five from that era would not involve any players. Yeah, no, but but you had Iserman, so that kind of counts. Yeah, so it, and it is really funny to see how he, um, you know, how he's kind of come revered in that town, you know, in Tampa as as the architect for the the recent success, and. Uh, yeah, so I just remember, you know, and I think a lot of Lightning Centers have been compared to him recently. Um, I remember reading something in the draft about 
Uh, you know, Stamkos was, you know, they had a lot of thoughts about him becoming an Iserman-like player where he could play defense as well as the offense. Um, Le Cavier always got the Jean-Claude comparisons, just kind of the elegant kind of skating and uh, offensive skills. But even towards no, the end no, of his career, kind of... We do, we do strictly basketball comparisons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that would be tough for me, yeah. Other than Jordan, uh, so, yeah, so if he didn't become Jordan, who did he become? Who's his NBA equivalent? When Manu Ginobili. You know? Ginobili, that's a good one, yeah. I like that. So he's got a title, but, you know, Hall of Famer. Well, borderline Hall of Famer. I don't think he quite gets in, but. You know, he's got his number retired in Tampa. That'd be that'd be um, close. Yeah, I, I feel like he's got a case. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Number NHL Hall. Yeah. See, NHL Hall of Fame. Everybody gets it eventually. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I think if he had one or two decent years, you know, I'll always blame Matt Cook for kind of his career off because uh, Matt Cook kind of took him out in a dirty hit and ruined his shoulder and kind of led to a bunch of injuries. Uh, kind of towards the end of his career, but you know that's just my own personal opinion. You know, don't hold that against me, please. Anyone who's a Matt Cook fan, so, yeah. So, was, are there a bunch of Matt Cook fans? I don't know. Maybe there's one or two. His family. I don't know. Jared, for the sake for the sake of growing this podcast, we might need to bleep out his his name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would hate to end your podcast careers because I, I know, uh, Matt Cook. But you know, at the same time, you know, you you look at a team like Lightning, and then you know, you do see some hope for the future. You know, Lecavier would definitely hope. Uh, I mentioned Kubina. Um, There's kind of really two from that point, from that team that kind of transitioned into the 04 championship team. That's you know, that's decent building blocks that you have. You know, you know, number one center, and uh, you know, top two defenseman. So that's what you kind of hold on to as a as a as a fan of a bad team is hopefully that you know you're, you're starting to see some stuff that'll develop into a, a really good team and then it's fun at the end you know part of the like the 04 championships is always gonna be my favorite championship because I did follow them from when they were this the worst team in the league all the way up to 04 so as much as nice as the back-to-backs have been you know I kind of a little more disassociated disassociated with that probably shouldn't use these words at this point but um just because i'm outside you know outside of the area a little older now you know and um kind of more jaded as a sports fan but i was still young enough to be like hey this is really super awesome that um you know i could watch this team morph into the um you know the champions so and then uh unfortunately the payoff from you know having a horrible 98 99 season they actually ended up trading the they had the number one over pick overall and they ended up trading it. So, you know, they didn't even get a, a decent prospect for it. So true. How would you sum up the Art Williams era in one word? Uh, chaos. I mean, the best I can do. Um, pretty much every other week, there's some article about something crazy going on um, from the, you know, from the sale to, you know, the duds or studs um, hockey conference to his pregame stuff uh, where he's going into the meeting room, he's going into the players room before the game and giving these pep talks that don't work out. Um, yeah. And then selling it less than a year after he buys it. Uh, 
So yeah, chaos is a good, good, good word. Um, Ooh, that was very close. But what we were looking for was stormy. Stormy. Oh, a lightning. Password is stormy. Part. Yes. So, <laughs> but you'll, we'll um, give you half credit. <laughs> okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> but, yeah. but I think, I, as a lightning fan, I am indebted to him since he kind of kept he, you know, he bought the franchise. He paid top dollar for him at the time. He cleared all their debts, which is probably the most important part. Uh, they were able to meet payroll. Then he sold it to a really good ownership group in um, in the Bill Davids group. Uh, if you want, you know, at least he was transparent about everything. The, the previous ownership, uh, the Japanese uh, group that owned them beforehand, uh, that's to this day, we don't know exactly who the owner was of the Lightning at that point, uh, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you talk about, you know, the way things are run in the NHL these days, it's, it's amazing that, you know, this ownership group um, was able to put together a successful bit for an NHL franchise. Uh, Esposito kind of goes into it in his autobiography a, a little bit about, you know, he didn't have the money. You know, he said, yeah, I'll get you your, you know, your expansion fee. No problem. But he didn't really have the money. You know, you have weird, you know, fake uh, British royalty involved. Um, yeah, it, possibly the Yakuza was involved. We don't know, you know, don't quote me on that, but you, know, you just don't know exactly who the owners were. I'll like, quote you on that. Espos yeah. Esposito never met the owner under the uh, Japanese ownership group. Um, so he got a couple gifts from him from time to time, but never actually met the actual owner of the team. So that's kind of you know, how this team was born in Tampa. Who whoever did meet the like I feel like at some point someone would have had to meet them face to face. No, they they always had representatives. That was a big word. If you ever you know, <laughs> if you go back and read the articles, the word uh, representative of the ownership group is uh, is tossed around quite heavily. So uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe there was no ownership group. Maybe it was like the usual suspects. It was Kobayashi. Exactly. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. But, you know, it worked. It got hockey in Tampa, you know, which, you know, a lot of people didn't think would, you know, would work out. And, you know, we're almost 30 years later now. And Justin, we'll get you out of here on this. If you could say one thing to Matt Cook, what would you say? Uh, don't trip Vinny from behind, please. Um, really like to see what his career would have been like if you hadn't blown out his shoulder. Um but I'm sure you're a very nice person and your parents love you. So. It was a lot more subdued than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I try, as, as I age, I try not to be as angry as I used to be as a younger fan. So, um, his, 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 parent, his parents love him, but no one else does. That's right. Ask 25-year-old Justin. Yeah, let me roll this back. Uh, so, um, yeah. so <laughs> 25-year-old Justin, we'll get you out here on this. <laughs> if you could say one thing to Matt Cook, what would you say? How dare you effing ruin a future Hall of Famer's career like that? You son of a gun, you. <laughs> Dad gummit to, you know, channel yeah, my inner art. Art Williams, uh, <laughs> dialect there. there you have it. That is the story. And these are the puck stories. Was it 100% accurate? Yeah, that sounds right. Follow us on Twitter at the puck stories. Also see all of our inebriated storytelling podcasts as part of the Stories Podcasts at the Stories Pods on Twitter as our guests rewrite the past across various sports. 
Alcoholic drinks are consumed voluntarily by our guests at their own discretion. Please drink responsibly. You kept calling it the arena. What what do you call it kind of in your, in your heart of hearts? To me, it's always going to be the Ice Palace. Um, that was the original name when it was uh, built in 96. Uh, I'm fine. You know, I do have to check myself when I'm writing articles and, you know, have to call it the Emily Arena, safety times for was before that. But it, in my heart, it will always be the Ice Palace. Um, that's what I knew it as. And, you know, as people get older, they refuse to change, so. That's one thing I've learned to deal with. So, but yeah, it's, it's the Ice Palace. And I think you'll hear a lot of older fans refer to it as that. Um, so yeah, not again, talking about 04, but uh, I had a chance to go to the, the game seven in Tampa. Didn't quite have the money, the money to throw a ticket together. And I was way too nervous to go to a game. Uh, they're not a big fans if you're pacing up and down the aisle through the entire game. So I decided to watch from my apartment. But a couple of my friends went, uh, had a blast. Uh, and then after the game, probably about 15 minutes after, 20 minutes after the game, I get a phone call from one of my friends uh, who is not even close to sober at this point. Um, but he kept hand, trying to hand the phone off to somebody. I couldn't really hear who he was talking to. So I was like, who is this? And uh, the guy says, uh, it's Darren. I go, who? He goes, it's Darren Poopa. It's like my friends, your friends uh, just no really wanted me to talk to you. So I was like, dude, Mr. Poopa, I'm so, I apologize for how drunk my, my friends are. But it's a pleasure to talk to you. You know, I've been a big fan since, you know, you know since your early days in Tampa. So that's kind of my, my, my Stanley Cup Game 7 story is uh, talking to, uh, to Darren Poopa. And, of course, this is 2004. Cell phone technology ain't great. So call kind of cuts in and out. But it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of nice to talk to one of the building blocks of the, uh, you know, of the franchise on the, on the night that they won. So, there, yeah. there are four other people on their phones in the same room. So it just, you, you exactly. Know. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, my friends are calling her from outside the arena. So, you know, there's 15,000 people around, them, you know, streaming, you know, celebrating the win. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of, kind of interesting. So, but yeah, who's, you know, just to be able to talk to them, you know, at that point, it's like, yeah, this, you know, I can remember watching you and, you know, Hoping that your back would stay together, sir, so that you could you know, win a few games. But uh, it's it's been a nice long journey. It was like, yeah, you kind of felt like you summited a mountain a little bit as a fan, coming from the depths of what the Lightning were. So, what was the turning point in your eyes, or was there, was there a specific moment where like, oh shit, we're going for it, or? Uh, honestly, it was it was the Bill Davidson group kind of buying the team the next year. Um, it just really felt like a way more professional ownership team. He, he's invested a bunch in upgrading the, the facilities, um, some of the workout facilities as well. So and a lot of the players will talk about how it was a big change from, from the previous area where they were trying to you know save every dollar, uh, kind of some more investment into the players. So you get, um, you know, 99, 2000, again, another kind of bad year, but uh, 2000, 2001, you start seeing that progress, you know, Marty's in the system now. Um, Brad Richards is caught up. So, you know, that, that third round pick, that's really the only reason they drafted Brad Richards is because he played on the same team as Vanilla Cavier. 
Um, if you if you read some of the stuff about scouting back then with the Lightning, they're they're kind of a low string budget. Um, so they were just happy to go to a bunch of Vinny games and they're like, hey, this kid's pretty good too. So <laughs> they ended up drafting Richards with the third round pick, you know, and uh, he ends up being a star for him. So you kind of see that development of the prospects. And uh, I think the turning, then then as far as on the ice, the turning point was trading for Javi Bullen. Um, he comes in, uh, he had that contract dispute with uh, Phoenix at the time, Arizona, the Coyotes, comes over. Uh, and now you're like, we've got the number one goaltender. You know, we're not searching for a number one goaltender. It's not, we're hoping Dan Cloutier pans out. We're not hoping that Kevin Weeks pans out. We have a bonafide number one goaltender in the system. And uh, so that's kind of like the turning point of the franchise. Uh, they go to the playoffs a year before, 2002, 2003, they make the playoffs. I'm still kind of outclassed. Uh, I think Jersey beats them, if I remember correctly. Um, and then the next Sounds year, they kind of just go on that run. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I think Javi Boone on the ice and then the Davidson group holding them um, off the ice. So it's, yeah. And it became fun to be a Lightning fan. And, uh, Phil Esposito was big on the design of, of, of all the jerseys. I think he, uh, he admitted that uh, he'd always wanted it called the Lightning, even though they ran a fan poll uh, to let the fans decide who the, uh, what the name was going to be. Uh, he'd always had the Lightning in mind. So it, it fits in with the area. A, f- a fan poll, especially the, this day and age, would be risky. <laughs> yeah. Hockey, <laughs> the Tampa, hockey team. Or... Yeah, the, the Tampa Bay 69s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think you can get away with that anymore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Do you remember any of the, I don't know if it was from the fan poll or just like from being in the city, what some of the alternative names might be? And or what? I off the top of my head, no. Let me uh, also make them up. <laughs> the Pelicans, I think, was at, at one point. Uh, I think that was an old baseball team. Um, I hope something like just like the beach or like the beach, the sand, the, bay. the, the Tampa sand, Bay yeah. Bay, the tide, <laughs> the tide. Yeah, the, the Tampa Bay Red Tide. Yeah, or just so like was, uh, the Tampa Bay. <laughs> Tampa Bay <laughs> Hockey Club. Yeah. <laughs> so no, it was it was a lot of nautical themes. I think the pirates may have been thrown in there at one point. Uh, seagulls. Yeah. The seagulls, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The wave, maybe. So the wave. I kinda like that. The Tampa Bay wave. I kinda like that Yeah. One. 